Good morning. Welcome to Kavanaugh Church. Will you stand with us? Let's sing this morning. Our feet are on the rock. Hey, good morning, Kavanaugh Church family. How's everyone doing? Man, let's give our worship team a round of applause for opening it up right. Woo, it's good. Hey, how many of you are thankful for the hope that we have in Jesus? Amen? Man, me too. And to, to know that foundation that we have that's solid, that we can stand on, that we can have full assurance and faith in, it's absolutely remarkable. It is. This world is going to offer us a lot of places to stand and things that say that it will support us. But we all know that that's not true. We have a true hope and a true foundation in Jesus Christ. And we hope that you know about that today. 
Amen. Amen. But it's great to see you guys, and again, so thankful that you all are here with us this weekend. If you're brand new, first-time guest, or have been coming for a couple weeks and don't know much about our church, we would love to tell you all about it. So right after service, there's a couple stands right out in the lobby. Uh, go grab a cup of coffee and make your way back over, and we'd love to share with you about our church and how you can get connected here. But again, it's great to see you all, and I hope you guys are ready to worship some more. So I'm, I'm going to stop talking. And I'm going to invite you all to stand right back up, and we're going to ask God's anointing for our services today. Good to, great to see you. Let's pray. Lord, I love you, and thank you so much for bringing us back into the house. The, the psalmist says throughout Scripture that there are several places that if we find ourselves rooted in, we will flourish. And that is your word and in the house of the Lord. And in your house, we will find and ourselves giving you praise and worship and joy. So, Lord, right now I pray for every single person in this room that as we come from different backgrounds and different walks of life, different hardships and different uh, moments of joy, God, I pray that we can focus solely on you and give you all the praise, glory, and honor with our entire beings today. Again, Lord, thank you for bringing us together. And as our pastor brings the, the word today, give him the words to speak and say and allow our hearts to be open, fully hearing everything you want us to know in your name. Amen. Let's continue to praise.
There's joy in the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet. We shout out.
this earth and drawing breath. Pray that we will offer praise that will continually be on our lips, that our attention would be focused on you, not on this earth and the things that weigh us down. You are faithful. You are true. Grace upon grace and your mercy never ends. We love you this morning and I pray, Lord, I pray that our worship has been pure and honest and open and that it is pleasing to you this morning. Let your Holy Spirit just continue to descend on us and move us and change us into what you want us to be. Help us to be open and pliable and to listen when you call us. Just to be willing to do what you ask, Father. We praise you today. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be. God bless you for being here. Everybody good? Amen. Give God a big hand, would you? What an awesome God we serve. Amen and amen. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, this afternoon Angie and I are going to head to Dallas and then tomorrow we're flying to the Holy Land. Thank you for giving us that trip. Thank you, church, for sending us. We're going to experience everything that we've been reading and preaching about all these years, and I can't wait to get back and show you some pictures and tell you boring stories, all right? Uh, my number one goal is to float in the Dead Sea and uh, see if I can actually walk in it, which I know I can't, but pray for us as we go on this trip. Um, all week I've been working on this sermon, and about halfway through the week I, I heard this little voice in my head that said, Oh, you don't want to preach that. Oh, you don't want to go there. And at first I thought, maybe, maybe it's the Lord speaking to me. But as I listened to the voice, I recognized it. It was the devil, right? He, he didn't want me to preach on this topic today. And, uh, you know, it, it may get heated and uncomfortable. In fact, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm taking my jacket off because it's about to get hot in here. I don't know if... Um, if you have a favorite weatherman, mine was Garrett. Garrett has retired. But when I would turn on the news and, and Garrett would have his jacket off and his sleeves rolled up, I knew one of two things. We were about to have a hailstorm or an F5 tornado come through, all right? So here I am. I took my jacket off. I'm rolling up my sleeves. Guess what's coming? I don't know. It's going to get hot in here right now. Why? Because I'm going to preach on this subject. How to stay moral in an immoral world. Not long ago, I read an article entitled, Has TV Gone Too Far? Focusing on the amount of sex, violence, and profanity that we see every time we turn on the TV. And it doesn't matter what time of day you turn it on or what channel you're on, you're going to see one of those three things, sex, violence, or hear profanity. What it basically was about was this. 
There is virtually no remaining restraints on sex, profanity, and violence on your television sets. The floodgates have been open, and it's only going to get worse and worse and worse. But it brings to mind an important question for all of us in this room today. How can we stay moral in an immoral world? How can we remain pure when everything around us is defiled? We live in a society that is sex-saturated. If you turn on the television or tune in on the radio, you're going to hear all about sex if you pursue the magazines at the checkout counter, all you're going to see is sex. If you were in a movie on Netflix, it's all about sex, and it's just not sex between a man and a woman anymore. It is wild stuff. So how in the world can God's people remain pure and holy when all of this stuff is around us? How can you develop a personal morality strong enough to withstand the seduction of the current world in which we are living. Well, today I'd like to tell you about a man who saw sex in the city. This man lived a long time ago, but just like you and I, he had a window into the world, yet his window was not a television set. He had a real window in a real city, and through that window he saw something that has become a powerful lesson for the Lord's people for now 3,000 years. This is a real story in the Bible found in Proverbs chapter 7. And it is a remarkably relevant passage of Scripture. I'm going to read a big segment of it to you right now. And sometimes when I read a long segment of Scripture, you drift away. I don't think you're going anywhere right now. Here it is, Proverbs chapter 7, beginning in verse number 6. For at the window of my house, I looked through my lattice work and saw among the simple. I perceived among the youths this young man who was devoid of understanding, passing along the street near her corner. And he took the path to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark of the night. And there a woman met him, wearing the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. She was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. At times she was outside. At times she was in the open square, lurking at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him. With an impudent face, she said to him, I have peace offerings with me. Today I have paid my vows. So I came out to meet you diligently to seek your face. And I have found you. I have spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, alloys, and even cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till the morning. Let us delight ourselves in love, for my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken this big bag of money with him, and he will come home on the appointed day. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately, he went with her. As an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. 
till an arrow struck his liver. As a bird hastens to the snare, he did not know that it was going to cost him his life. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray to her paths. For she has cast down many wounded. And all who were slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way to hell, descending to the very chambers of death. Wow. Wow. There is a basic premise behind this chapter, and it's simply this. Look at me and listen to me. Sex outside of marriage is a violation of the character and the nature of God's law. I don't care how you cut it. I don't care how you excuse it. Sex outside of marriage is a sin. Now, we don't know if this young man was engaging in premarital sex or extramarital sex, but in either case, what he was doing was wrong. How do I know that? Because one of the Ten Commandments says, thou shalt not commit adultery. And that word adultery literally means any kind of sexual immorality. And then speaking to the church, the Apostle Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 5, but among you as believers, as Christians, there should not even be a hint of sexual immorality. That is, nobody should say your name and a sexual immorality along with it. You should give no hint to any kind of foul doing in your own life. Now, let me say this. Sex itself is not a bad thing. It's a gift from God. But premarital sex, extramarital sex, postmarital sex, and homosexual behavior is a perversion of God's plan, and it is a violation of God's holiness. Flip side, the devil wants you to think that immorality is okay. In fact, he wants to convince you that it's desirable, that it's good, that it's pleasing, that it's pleasant, that it's upright, and that it is the norm for our society, that it's okay for you to involve yourself. And you know, you know who is recruited with this propaganda? The entertainment industry. They are on this vast evangelistic mission to spread the propaganda and to shape our culture accordingly. And you know what? They're doing a pretty good job at it. You can't even watch a commercial that's selling blue jeans or cologne or chapstick without it involving sex. But you know what? The devil can never alter the character, the standards, and the law of a holy God. And so as the writer of Proverbs chapter 7 stood at his window and peered through his latticework, he saw a scene that really has three storylines to it. So let's notice these three storylines as we learn from God's word this morning. The first is seduction. No doubt about it, this young man was seduced. And it was a very powerful seduction that lured him in. He was presented with a temptation that was so attractive and so powerful that he seemed unable to resist it. He is called in verse number 7 a youth or a young man. 
And we would suppose that he was full of hormonal energy. Verse number 13 says that a woman met him. We'd probably call her a cougar. She embraced him. She passionately kissed him. Then having ignited this masculine hormonal energy, she said to him, let's go to my place. My bed is ready. The linens are set. I've even perfumed the bed. Verse 21 says, with persuasive words, she led him astray. Read this line with me. She, that's the job of the devil. The devil is in the same business today. He wants to seduce us with immorality. How does he do it? Well, he does it by plastering our television shows and movies with stimulating sexual images. He does it with men and women who do not dress modestly. He does it with magazines that scream sex all the time. He does it by getting us too involved in platonic friendships at work. And he does it through pornography on the internet. I read uh, an article, The Drug of the New Millennium, by Mark Castleman not long ago. And here's what he said. There is a growing number of therapists and psychologists who are saying that pornography is as addictive as cocaine, alcohol, and heroin. And, and it kind of piqued my attention, and he went on to explain that when people view porn, your brain releases this chemical that's already inside of you. Now, when you take cocaine or heroin or drink alcohol, you are trying to reproduce this chemical that's already in your body. But he says, when you look at porn, you're getting the real deal. It's not a synthetic substance coming into your system. This is the, this is the chemical that's already in our body, and it is unleashed when you view pornography. He says pornography has always been around, but today what was once a hidden, isolated problem has become a widespread crisis. What's the reason? Mark says, blame the internet. And he gives his three A's. Because it's accessible, it is affordable, and it is anonymous. And he says that last one is the one that trips up many a believer. Many Christians get involved in pornography because they don't think anybody's ever going to see it or know about it or find out about it. But that's not the case. You know what? You get involved in any sin, I don't care what the sin is, it will sooner or later find you out. This past week I've read dozens of testimonies from good Christian people just like you. One, of, one man said this, I was a leader in my local church, I, I worked with the youth groups, I assisted my pastors, I served in the community, yet I was leading this dual life, this secret life, wholly on the outside in public, but in private. I was addicted to pornography. Guys, let me tell you, we've never seen anything like this in the history of the world. The internet is a powerful tool. It can be used for good. I use it every single day. But you know what? It can also be used for bad. It is used by the devil to seduce men and women into pornography. And, and listen, don't think that you're exempt from it. We talk about this in staff meetings all the time. 
I'm talking to the guys right now. Women, you can listen, but you guys, have you ever just been on the internet looking for something or you open up your phone or your device and all of a sudden there is something right there in front of you. You think, where in the world did that come from? Out of nowhere, it's there. Well, let me tell you, that's the devil seducing you, trying to tempt you and draw you in. So it it made me stop and ask the question that I've just got to ask you this morning. Is the devil trying to seduce anybody in this room? (laughs) I know the answer. Yes. Every one of us. Are we being seduced by an evil and corrupt culture? Yes. How many in this room or listening to me online are battling this temptation? I would say if you're alive and breathing, so you're not alone in this struggle. Look at me. I'm 60 years old, about to turn 61. I was safe when I was six, called to preach when I was 10. I do my best to be a holy man of God. I made a vow that I would not look at a lewd, unclothed woman with my eyes, that I would not sin with my eyes. But you know what? Even to this day, the temptation is real. I don't care who you are. The devil is trying to seduce you this morning. It is not a new thing. It's been going on for 3,000 years. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 21 says it like this. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him. The seduction is real. The second storyline is not only seduction, it is destruction. What began with a pleasurable night ended horribly. This young man paid a horrible price for a one-night stand. Look at verses 22 and 23. Y'all know why I took my jacket off now, don't you? It's getting hotter in here. The F5 has arrived. Verse 22 says, immediately, immediately he went after her. I can see him. (laughs) Following her. As an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till an arrow struck his liver. As a bird hastens to the snare. He did not know that it was going to cost him his life. Verse 27 says, her house is the highway to hell, descending to the chambers of death. Now, I don't know what happened to this young man. Nobody knows. Maybe he caught some sexually transmitted disease and died a very painful death. Maybe when he was laying on those Egyptian sheets, that had myrrh and cinnamon and alloy on them with this woman, her husband came home. He ran out, the money bag didn't last. He came home early, caught him in bed, and killed him. But more likely, what the writer is saying here is that this young man's immorality took him down a road that led him away from God, away from holiness, away from eternal life. 
This young man's immorality put him on the broad road that leads to destruction. And right now, 3,000 years later, this young man is in hell because of the moral choices he made beginning with that one night stand in Jerusalem so many years ago. So do you think if we interviewed him today and asked him, if you had it to do all over again, Would he make a different choice? I've alluded to this. Let me just read the verse, Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. There was seduction. There was destruction. Can I, let me just... Some of the saddest counseling I've ever done in my life has involved sexual immorality. It destroys lives. It destroys families. It destroys kids. It destroys your job, your future. It destroys you. It's something you just can't shake loose of. What seems to be so enticing and so pleasurable is nothing but a snare that leads to destruction. But there's a third storyline here too. Not not only is it a story of seduction and destruction, there is a story of instruction. So get on the edge of your seat. Get, Get ready to take some notes here. You see, one of the main points this story is given to us in Proverbs chapter 7 is to warn us, to help us avoid the tragic mistake that this young man made that long ago evening. A careful reading of this entire chapter gives us three powerful weapons for staying moral in an immoral world. So, get ready to write these things down. Imprint these three things in your heart so that you can avoid the destruction from the seduction. Are you ready? Now I'm going to go on until everybody says, ready, Pastor. Here we go. Number one, to avoid seduction, sexual immorality, you need to store God's Word in your heart. Put God, this Word, put it in your heart. Proverbs 7, 1 through 5. This, this is how this chapter begins. My son, keep my words. And treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live. And my law, may it be the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. Call understanding your cousin. I don't know if you caught that or not. This is my interpretation of that. That they may keep you from the immoral woman or the immoral man, from the seductress who flatters with her words. You see, the Word of God is the most powerful weapon that we have. The book of Hebrews says, for the Word of God is alive, it's it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. The psalmist said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I go back to when Jesus was tempted in the desert. Remember that? He spent 40 days and nights praying to God. And then the the evil one, the devil, came to seduce him and tempt him. 
But all three temptations, Jesus responded back to the devil by quoting the word of God. He had read the word. He had put the word in his heart, and he responded to the temptations with the written word of God. Here's the deal. The devil doesn't have any tool as powerful as the pure, unbridled word of God. And, and if you and I will fill our minds with the Word of God, we will have the necessary ammunition that we need to fend off the attacks of the devil. So, let me put it in practical terms to you. Turn off, turn off the TV and read the Bible. Instead of renting that movie on Netflix or binging on some kind of series, try to memorize a chapter of the Bible, starve your immoral habits and feed your soul, burn your pornography and bury yourself in the Bible. Number one, put God's word in your heart. Number two, avoid the temptation. Whenever possible, just stay away from whatever tempts you. Look at verses six and seven. At the window of my house, I looked through the lattice, and I saw among the simple. I noticed this young man, a youth who lacked what? Judgment. How do we know that he lacked judgment? Well, verse 8 tells us he was going down the street near her corner, walking along the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading away. This young man wasn't just an innocent victim. I think he was looking to be seduced, whether it was consciously or subconsciously i don't know maybe he had seen this lady the previous day and and noticed where she was and then just kind of subconsciously his feet took him there or maybe he had seen this lady and remembered what she looked like and kind of knew the kind of person she was and so he just directly went to that part of town in either case he put himself in the line of fire he opened himself to the temptation. He walked right smack dab into it because he lacked judgment. So here's the bottom line. If you know something's going to tempt you, you just need to avoid that situation. If, if there is a person who's, if there's a lady, man, who's been flirting with you, you need to stay away from her. Or the next time you see her, have your wife in tow. And it's just not men with women, it's women with men. Recently, I heard something that happens in uh, Huntsville, Texas on a daily basis. And it, it seemed unbelievable to me, so I researched it. And if you can believe the internet, it's true. <laughs> Every day in Huntsville, Texas, the, the Texas State Penitentiary will bring inmates to Huntsville and they will be released back into society. When it's their time to be released. They, they, they leave behind this place that's called the wall. It's part of the, the prison there. They're brought in buses into that prison. They're given a green shirt to wear. They're given their bag of personal items. They're given a check. Depending on why they were incarcerated, the check can either be $50 or $100. And they're also given a voucher for a bus ride out of Huntsville, Texas. So every day these prisoners are emerging from behind the wall. There, there's a little store just right there beyond the gate, and most of them go into that store, cash the check, 
A lot of them will buy a different shirt to wear. And then most of them will walk three blocks down the street and use their voucher to get on a bus and go somewhere. One out of five go back to prison. And maybe one of the reasons why they don't make it is just beyond the gate, between the gate and that little store is a group of prostitutes who stand around and drug dealers who are trying to draw these men back into their previous way of living. And as I thought about that, I thought, you know what, that's a picture of me and you. When we come to Jesus Christ, we are like a prisoner who's been set free. Bought by the precious blood of Jesus, our old life is dead. We take on a new identity. We've been given a new lease on life. Amen and praise the Lord. But the devil doesn't like that. And so the devil gathers around us trying to ensnare us all over again. What do we do? Well, here's what we need to do. Fill our heart full of God's holy word and head straight to the bus stop. Without glancing to the left or the right, without pausing, without hesitating, we just get to the bus stop. So here's my question to you. What change do you need to make in your lifestyle to lessen the temptations that you are under? I mean, think about it. Can't you walk down a different street away from the seducer's neighborhood? What, what change do you need to make in your daily routine to avoid the temptations that ensnare you? If it means doing away with that little device or shutting down that computer, or canceling your cable subscription, do it. Okay? You can take that for what it's worth. So how do I avoid the temptation? I hide God's word in my heart. Whenever possible, I avoid the temptation. But then number three, I've got to determine in my own heart, I'm not going to sin against God. Look at verses 24 and 25. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. In other words, guys, you've you got to make up your own mind that you're going to stay moral in an immoral age. We have to set our standards in advance. To avoid the temptation, we got to dig our heels in and say, you know what, my relationship to God and my relationship to my family is worth more to me than just a moment of pleasure. And if you're a young person in this room, a teenager, a college student, someone who is single, you need to determine in your heart, right now, when you're thinking clearly, that there are certain moral lines you're not going to cross with the opposite sex and just dig your heels in and don't do it. And if you are married, you need to determine in your heart that your family and your spouse and your kids and your grandkids and this church is worth more than a moment of pleasure. Stick to your guns, man. Well, that's pretty much my message. 
but I got to do something. Right before I close, I, I, I want to compare this young man in Proverbs chapter 7 with three other guys in Scripture, and I'll do it really quickly. The first guy is a young man by the name of Joseph. Remember Joseph? His story's in the book of Genesis. He was, he was a young man, very handsome, very muscular. His brothers sold him into Egyptian slavery. A guy named Potiphar bought him as a slave, and here he is serving in Potiphar's house. But Miss Potiphar, she was a cougar. And she had, the Bible says she had longing eyes for young Joseph. So every day, every day she propositioned him. Every day when he was alone in that house, she asked him to go into her chambers and have sex with her. Every single day. Finally, one day, the talk ended, and she just grabbed him. Just like the lady in Proverbs chapter 7 did, she probably planted a big old kiss on his lips and said, Come on, Joseph, I'll give you something you ain't never had before. But unlike the young man in Proverbs chapter 7, what did Joseph do? He, he got out of there, man. He ran as fast and as hard as he could. He left his coat or his cloak in her hands. He realized, as Charles Spurgeon's put it, better to lose your coat than your character. Good for Joseph. The second young man is Daniel. Daniel was with his buddy Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They had been taken into exile to Babylon. And chosen by the king as, as, as a, a special young man. They had qualities like none other. And so they were going to use these young men and train them in their world, in their society. And so they, they put all this delicacy before them and gave them free reign. They could have anything that they wanted. But the Bible says that this young man, Daniel, he, did, he was in a foreign country. He didn't have his parents there. His pastor wasn't there. His church wasn't there. His schoolmates were there. He was in a foreign land. He could do anything he wanted. He could indulge himself as much as he wanted. But the Bible says he made up his mind. He would not defile himself. Wow. Determination. Man, you got to do it. The, the third comparison I want to make is to that of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, our Jesus Christ, was tempted in every way in which we are tempted, yet he was tempted without sin. Now, I don't know if this is ever connected with you, but you know what that means? Jesus, Nathan, Jesus was tempted sexually if he was tempted in every way in which we are tempted he was tempted there were there were some women in nazareth or jerusalem or wherever capernaum that tried to seduce him but he didn't take the bait he said no now i mentioned jesus christ because here's what it all boils down to you and I do not have the strength in and of ourselves to remain pure and victorious. As, as much as we try to put God's word in our heart, as much as we try to avoid situations where we will be tempted, as many times as we determine we are not going to fall into temptation in our own strength alone, we can't do it. But Jesus Christ... The one who has never sinned or will ever sin lives in us if we are believers. And you know what? He can strengthen us. We can live his life through us. We can live in his strength, 
in Jesus Christ, we can be more than conquerors. So, have you invited him into your heart? Have you given your life to Jesus? Have have you received him as Lord and Savior of your life? Have you received his forgiveness? No matter what you've done in the past, no no matter how many sins you've committed, no matter how many times you have given into seduction, you can be forgiven. He can forgive your past. He can give you a new start, a new life, a new hope. He can break that addiction in your life. Guys, I don't have to tell you this. There is a tremendous battle going on. Our culture is sinking into a sewer. We're drowning in filth. And the devil wants to drag you as deep into this pit as he can. But Jesus is our escape. And if we are God's people, holiness becomes us. Purity is our lifestyle. And the Bible says to us, come out from among them and be separate. So even though this is not popular preaching, let me tell you, save yourself a whole lot of heartache and misery and live a holy and pure life. Here's the way John put it. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, it's not from the Father, it's from the world. And the world is passing away and the lust thereof. But whoever does the will of the Father in heaven lives forever. Boy, how I want that for you. Chances are, before you go to bed tonight, the seducer is going to knock on your heart's door. Maybe before you finish eating lunch, you're going to be tempted in some way. The seduction is real. And don't mistake yourself, the destruction follows the seduction. But the instruction from God's Word is pretty clear. Hide God's word in your heart. Don't go where temptation is prevalent. And determine in your heart that you're not going to sin against God. And right now realize you can't do it by yourself. You need Jesus. So if you're here this morning, you've never been saved, I invite you to come and invite Christ into your heart. We'll show you how. It's not hard. It's as simple as A, admitting you're a sinner, B, believing that Jesus can save you, and C, confessing him as Lord of your life. And then for the rest of you, hey, why don't you join me down here because I'm going to be praying, asking for God's help because the devil is real and seduction occurs every day. So join me. Heavenly Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would speak to hearts as only you can. I pray, dear Lord, for that person who needs to come and receive the gift of salvation. I pray that they would step out, come forward, and ask Jesus into their heart. Lord, for those who just need help with, uh, with life and dealing with the problems they're facing, I pray that they would come and join me here at the altar and pray for your help. Lord, no matter what else, I pray that, that you would lead us and that you would be glorified and that you would be honored. 
I pray, dear Jesus, that you would make a difference in people's lives this morning. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand up, and as they sing, just go ahead and step out. Join me right here, guys. Come on. Let's pray and ask for God's help. Would you? Come on. Let's pray. do sing of your goodness. We praise you today. Thank you for thank you for these tough passages like Proverbs 7 that teach us a very valuable lesson. I pray that we would heed the instruction from your word today that we would be holy people. And Lord Jesus, for those in this room who are really struggling, I pray that you'd give them victory today. May they walk out of these doors with a different perspective. And with you in their hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you. Thank you. Well, well here's, here's something cool. This, this, uh, this weekend we did three, or doing three things in this room that uh, have not happened in here. Uh, on Friday morning we uh, hosted drug court graduation. Now we've been doing that for 15 years, but it was the first time in this room that we hosted drug court. And every day, it was a great day, man. It was super fantastic. Uh, uh, so thrilled that we can be in this process of people who are being set free from the addictions that can destroy their lives. And so it was a great day. That was the first thing. Second thing is, last night we had the first wedding in this room. And that was pretty cool, you know? So we're thankful for that. 
Today, the third new thing, we're baptizing people. First time we baptized, and we're doing it today in the new baptistry. As we get ready to do that, let me just share with you a couple of reminders and some prayer requests. Uh, do, when you walk out of the room, put your offering in that black box. Tune in tonight at 6.30. Brother Jason's going to be teaching our online lesson, and make sure you come back on Wednesday evening. A couple of uh, cards I want to read to you, and then we're going to baptize some people. Uh, this one says, thank you, Kavanaugh family. My mom was the purest soul. She would have said, I don't deserve this. Your kind thoughts, prayers, and messages have all been read. We will cherish each one of you. Thank you so much. Thank you for the plant and the meal provided. Members of my family were really blown away by the hospitality of this church. This truly is our church for life. Uh, this is from uh, Michael, Ryan, Daniel, Stephen, uh, uh, and the kids and their family. And uh, guys, I tell you what, we're, we love you. And Marcel, we're praying for you guys. And I know God is going to continue to strengthen you and bless you. One more card. Uh, we appreciate your prayers so much. And the beautiful flowers arrived at the perfect time. We love our church family. That's from Larry and Billy Howard. Uh, Larry spent some time at the hospital this week, but he's here today. Love you guys, and we're praying for you. Wonderful. Good deal. Who's ready to celebrate a baptism? Woohoo! All right, man. We, uh, we actually baptized some people in the first service, and uh, we're going to do it again in this service. I am so excited. Y'all, come on if you're ready, man. Here we go. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Good deal. All right. Miss Ashley is going to be first. Come on up here, Ashley. Come on, girl. My lens. You're going to show everybody else how to do this, all right? It is warm. It's, it's kind of like a sauna up here. You can sit right here and put your feet right down in there. Good deal. Ashley Dooley has accepted Jesus Christ. You can go ahead and sit down. As her personal Lord and Savior. And uh, here, here's, here's what impresses me so much about Ashley. When she walks into a room, she just lights it up with that smile right there. I love her smile. How, how in the world can anyone be so happy all the time when she has to live with Matt? I don't, I don't understand that, but I'm so very thankful. What a wonderful, wonderful testimony. Ashley, have you received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Amen. And today you're going to follow him in baptism. I remind you and all these candidates that baptism doesn't save us. What saves us is our personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Baptism is an outward testimony of the transformation Jesus has made in Ashley's heart. So Ashley, I baptize you right now in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, amen, 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 and praise the Lord. God bless you. You can stand up, and I'll help you down. We're going to pray for Miss Ashley. I'm going to ask, Gail, are you over there? Would you pray for Ashley and ask God to be with her and bless her? bless us as Kavanaugh, that we would come along beside her, Lord, and encourage her and follow her and lift her up, Lord, as she uh, follows the purpose that you have for her. We love you and we thank you for her life. 
In your name we pray. Amen. 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 I am so proud and glad that Miss Jenny is with us today. Uh, Jenny, have you accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? And are you ready to follow him in baptism? Fantastic. It is in the name of Jesus and with all praise and glory given to God that I now baptize this, my sister, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And everybody said amen and amen. Good deal. Don, would you pray for Jenny and ask God to bless her? family. How's everyone doing? Good. Is, I'm good. On now. Great. Sweet. With me this morning, I have Trincity. She's really cool. She's just recently started coming to Blaze. She's a sophomore at Northside High School. She's varsity basketball and volleyball. So she's awesome at all she does. Um, but what's even more cooler is that she received the Lord as her Lord and Savior as a little girl, uh, going to church with her grandma. But today, she's making a public profession of her faith and is following the Lord's baptism. And like Brother Will said, Trinity, it's, it, baptism doesn't save you. It's something that you are acknowledging and sharing publicly about the change that God has made in your life. So I want to ask you a couple questions. Have you received the Lord as your Savior? And do you promise to follow and serve him with all the rest of your life? Amen. All right. With that being said, I baptize you, my sister, in the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Awesome. Amen. 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 Good deal. Amen. Good deal. If you had somebody pray for her, Nathan. Uh, Brother Craig, will you pray for Trinity, please? All right, also with me this morning, I have Emily Osborne, uh, Precious. Uh, she is a, in sixth grade and goes to Pecola, and uh, it's really awesome to have you here today. Uh, Emily, uh, you, as you heard me say, that baptism is, is an outward expression of an inward change. It's really cool that you, you're taking this step today to do this in front of the, our church. Uh, but I want to ask you as well, have you received the Lord as your personal Savior? And you promised to uh, follow him with all of your life? All right. With that being said, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Uh, Brother Josh, will you say a prayer for Emily, please? I am so thankful to be here today with my dear friend, and this is the first time I've ever baptized 
one and nine tenths because she is, she's a week and a half away from having her little boy. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? So he's getting baptized whether he knows it or not, okay? <laughs> so thankful. So thankful for my friend here, Tristan. She uh, recently realized that she hadn't been baptized, and, and uh, she asked me if, if we could do that now, and she didn't want to wait until the baby was born. She wanted to do it now, so I'm proud of her for that and so thankful with her. She's been uh, just recently really getting involved and uh, trying to be used uh, with her talents, and we're thankful for that. So it's my pleasure now. Uh, it, our Father, in obedience to thy heavenly command, I baptize this, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Here we go. <laughs> We're going to ask Miss Gail if she would say a prayer for, us, for her. Oh, yeah. Our Father, as we come to you, we're thank, so thankful for Tristan, Lord, and her faith. On, we're thankful, Lord, that she wanted to be baptized and didn't want to be to wait. We ask, Lord, that you would bless her, bless her as a mother, bless her as, as a, your child, your daughter, Lord, and we ask that you would uh, be with her as she uh, leads these children, Lord, and as she works with our children, just bless her, Father. And we ask, Lord, that we would come along beside her and... Uh, lift her up and to pray for her and to encourage her and to love her, Jesus. She is so sweet and so precious, and we ask that you would help us to uh, lift her up. We just love you and love you for her and that she wants to follow you in everything. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Next we have a, a tell us your name again. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. Brooklyn and uh, we're so thankful to be here with Brooklyn. She has been asking me to be baptized way, way back, even in the old uh, part. We could never uh, quite work it out. I'm so thankful. She's excited. She wants to be baptized. She's asked Jesus into her heart, and she's ready to follow him in baptism. Right, Brooklyn? All right. Now, our Father, in obedience to thy heavenly command, we baptize this, our sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Ready? Hold your nose. Oh, you were a good one. Okay, who's next? Come on, baby. So thankful to be here with my little buddy, Eden. I call her the Garden of Eden. Keep going. There you go. You good? She's accepted the Lord as her Savior, and she's ready to follow in baptism. Right, Eden? You've asked Jesus into your heart, and you're ready to follow him, right? Okay, you ready? Our Father, in obedience to thy heavenly command, I baptize you this, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Clap your nose. I'm going to ask her pops, Billy, if he would say a prayer. Are you over there, Billy? Did he leave? So thankful to be here with Maisie Seabolt. 
She's a sweetheart, and she's been saved. And asked Jesus into her heart, and uh, she's ready to be baptized, and she's ready for her family to see her, right? And uh, she's so thankful to have uh, her, all of her family back there and her grandparents. And we're just thankful for her, and we're, we're excited to see what the Lord's going to do with her. You ready? Our Father, in obedience to thy heavenly command, we baptize this, our sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask Kara Spencer if she would pray for Maisie. Amen. Here's what I know. In heaven, they're celebrating right now. And their celebration is a lot better than yours, so try to do something big right here. Woo! Amen. And as God puts these people on your heart this week, pray for them because they have stood and testified that Jesus is their Savior and the devil's going to attack them just as he's attacking you. But you know what? We can live for the Lord. We can do it together. Let's pray for one another. I love you. I'm going to be in Israel this next week, so please don't get thrown in jail. Be hard for me to minister to you. Have a great day. God bless you. You're dismissed. <laughs>